Good afternoon, everybody. Andrew Cooperwriter here delivering another exciting episode of Fresh Brewed Politics. I know it's just a few days after my last one. As I said before, as we're going into session, you might be seeing some more of these from me a little more often as important things come up that are worth uh, discussing. I thank you for joining me today. I hope you guys, as you're joining me, can go ahead and hit that share button, especially if you're on Facebook, YouTube. You can't hit the share button on YouTube, but you can subscribe or follow. But please hit the share button. It really helps. Helps spread the word, the work we do, um, the work you do as people who interact with us on this side of things and, and help fight for some change here uh, in Kentucky for sure. If you're listening to this on a replay, if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, this is always available in podcast form. I upload it right after I get done here. Available on all major streaming places under the podcast term Fresh Brewed Politics. And we will dig into it. Like I said, please hit that share button and let's get to it. So we got a couple things to cover today. Uh, we're going to cover House Bill 126. As you guys know, we've been pushing heavy on that to get that one stopped. We'll go over it just real quick, talk about where it's at, where it's sitting. There's a, a interesting floor debate that took place, and not really a debate, but floor discussion that took place on the Senate about drugs in Kentucky, and either side had some points. We'll kind of dig into that a little bit. We will cover... How, we're going to have a rally on February 5th at 1 p.m. for House Bill 28. That's a bill to end mandates. Redistricting the House map got vetoed yesterday. I'm sure we'll see the Senate map get vetoed today. We'll just kind of cover what's going on there so you can remain as aware as possible. Additionally, as well, as we go into this, uh, we have an interesting video. Uh, somebody caught on a uh, hot mic. Um, yelling at her husband yesterday in a committee hearing, which we'll talk about. It's just kind of funny thing. I, I, it's kind of a funny thing. I call it a Senator oopsies. It happens sometimes to the best of us and to the worst of us. And so we'll go into all these different things. House Bill 323, they're talking about moving the deadlines with that bill. That's pretty interesting too as well. So please, once again, hit that share button and uh, share it in a couple places. It's, it's a great way. It's a small way you can help as I take some time out to to hopefully keep you guys a little more informed on things going on in Kentucky. So House Bill 126, for those of you who are unaware, this was a bill that would require, in order to graduate high school here in Kentucky, it would require parents to either fill out the FAFSA or somehow fill out an opt-out waiver. And I say somehow because the, the, the problem with this bill was it was only, it is, it's only one page. And so the entire bill is one page. And so when you get to the opt-out waiver portion of it, all it says is that the school board has to provide an opt-out. It does not say how they opt-out, the deadlines of opting out. It doesn't say what information they have to provide on the opt-out. It gave zero guidance as far as that was concerned. Additionally, as well, it just created a graduation requirement that parents fill out FAFSA forms. And... I think it's it's probably done uh, for some altruistic reasons initially, but I think it's a bad bill trying to solve a problem uh, that that bill would do no that bill would not solve. I, I think it's a bad bill for a lot of reasons. So let's go into the problem it's trying to solve. What it was trying to solve 
was this idea that there's kids going to college that aren't don't know how to pay for it, right? Or they also believe there's kids that don't know that they can get free money for college. So if they just knew about it, they would decide to go to college. Now, part of this comes from this belief, and, and it's typically from people in academia. Just so happens the sponsor of this bill is a teacher in academia, this belief that you definitely have to have a college education in order to succeed in life. And we know time and time again, that's not true. In fact, some of the richest people in the country and world do not have college degrees. It is not necessarily right for everybody. And so this belief that if you do not have a college degree, you cannot succeed is just not the case. Now, of course, some of the liberal side of these things go into it because they want to pump some more people into colleges. We know people come out of college being more liberal than they go in. But also as well, it likes it just stems from this belief that you have to have college to succeed. And, and I'm telling you, that is not the way the trend is going. People are going to be are realizing more and more that maybe getting a college degree isn't the most necessary thing in the world. And, and we covered this in the last podcast where I mentioned people like realtors. You know, there's people who go out and they get their master's degree they have all this debt and they end up becoming a realtor, something you didn't even need a master's degree to do. And, and it, that's kind of an interesting uh, conversation. But even putting that to the side, this was the idea that we need more kids going to college. We need more kids filling out FAFSA so they see that they have free money to go to college. Here's the thing. One, let's say you are a kid that can't pay for school. If you go on to the Google machine and you Google how to pay for college, literally the first result, the first thing they tell you to do is fill out the FAFSA form. So if you're a child or, or a, a student and you're trying to figure out how am I going to go to college, how am I going to pay for it, if you had enough intelligence to go Google, which I'm going to assume just about everybody leaving high school in this day and age has enough intelligence to know how to go Google. And so they can go just Google how to pay for college. And it's in the first result. So one of those things is maybe you're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. Maybe you think kids aren't filling out FAFSA and they don't know about it, but maybe they don't know about it because they don't want to go to college. That, of course, doesn't cross their mind. The other thing is, is the, the other thing I, I, that concerns me about this bill, even, even if it, even outside of the opt-out factor, which concerns me greatly of how you would opt out because the information FAFSA requires you to turn into the federal government is lengthy. I mean, they don't just want your income. They wanted your, your personal, in, they want your personal info, your checking, your saving account balances, you know, your personal assets holding all things that normally under the fifth amendment would take a warrant in order to get access to, you had to turn into the federal government. So not only is that an overreach, but additionally, like I said, there was no requirement what the opt-out was. What is funny is, is when, you know, you can tell it's a bad bill when the people who are trying to protect it, which in this case is the bill's author, and their response is when somebody says, hey, I'm worried about turning over this information over to the government, their response is, oh, don't worry, the schools won't see this information. You can fill it out in the privacy of your own home. Well, yeah, no crap, I can fill it out in the privacy of my own home. That was never the problem in the first place. The problem was, is who do I turn the form into? It's not, you don't need to play dumb with me. Yes, I know I can fill out the form in my kitchen table. I know I don't have to do it in front of their teacher. But the form goes to the federal government. That's who we're worried about having the information in the first place. Some parents also don't want to disclose all that information to their kids. That's a real thing, too. But also what the bill said, or what the bill was essentially saying was, one page, you're required to do this for graduation. However, it turns out as we started going around and, and seeing, you know, trying to get people to vote no on this bill, 
it turned out that many of the schools are against this bill. Now, why is that? Well, for obvious, pretty obvious reason when you think about it. Do you think schools don't want to tell kids about FAFSA? Do you think that's like their goal? No, of course these schools want to tell kids about FAFSA. So if schools are not telling kids about FAFSA, it is because they don't, according to them, now this is always the schools, right? But they don't have the resources to do it. And this bill didn't provide them any resources to tell kids about FAFSA. So the schools were against it too. And so all around, it was an overreach to create a graduation requirement that was unneeded, pushing kids in and making decisions maybe they shouldn't be making. Also, it was uh, a, on, on the worst case scenario, not worst case, but possible interpretation the scenario could have been or what is because it is requiring you to fill out the form or opt out. doesn't tell you how to opt out. It could be forcing a lot of parents into disclosing information to the federal government that they shouldn't have to just so their kid could graduate high school. So. We recognize this bill. We got the word out, made some posts about it, put out some tools for you guys. Uh, we texted to our text group. If you look, guys look at the bottom of the screen, we have a, a little ticker. And in it, it says, text Liberty to 33777. That's Liberty to 33777. Texting that and rolling into our text alerts is one of the ways that we are able to get the word out on this bill. Because with only 24 hours, with only the hotlines being open one day, we we're able to get in hundreds upon hundreds of calls simply because, simply because we were able to text a couple thousand people saying, hey, look, here's a bill. If you want to learn more about the bill, here's a place where you can go do that. Here's the number to call. Call in, ask to talk to your legislator. Let's do this. And we got in hundreds of calls that way. And that really helped out. So you guys getting involved and, and signing up for those updates really helps us stop when we see bad legislation that is coming for a vote. So please do that. And please invite your friends, your family to do it too, so we can stay on top of it. Now, House Bill 126 was in the orders of the day yesterday, was in the orders of the day the day before. It was first noticed in the orders of the day for Tuesday. That's when we launched everything against it, and it was not pulled that day for a vote. It wasn't pulled yesterday for a vote. The House does this. Sometimes a, a, a bill just remains in the um, just remains in the orders of the day, and and by the end of the session, you have a, a laundry list sometimes of bills that they're never going to vote on that were kind of dead bills that they never clear out from their orders of the day. The Senate clears out their orders of the day a little more often, but the House does not do it quite as often. And so they they don't send it back to committee or anything like that. So you may keep seeing it on the orders of the day. As of right now, the word we're getting is it's not going to be voted on. That doesn't mean we can't remain vigilant. That doesn't mean if you talk to a legislator, you should remind them to not vote for this bill. It creates an unnecessary graduation requirement that is useless. And, and the best case scenario, it's a useless unnecessary added uh, headache to getting your kids graduating high school. Best uh, uh, That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is it's requiring you to turn over way too much information to the federal government uh, and, and some issues there. So that's on House Bill 126. Now, let's dig into, uh, there's an interesting floor debate that occurred yesterday in the Senate as, uh, on drugs, on the opioid crisis. So there was a simple bill that was put forward that would uh, expand. So right now the state, I guess, hands out one drug to help you get off being addicted to opioids, I guess. I, I don't know much about it. I'm just picking up from what I could pick up. And this bill was simply to expand 
the drug offerings. Well, and it sparked this big debate on the floor in which Senator Schickel and I believe Hornback started really going after how we're dealing with drugs in this state. And they brought up, I'm going to be honest, they brought up some points, right? They brought up things like, you know, with drug court, we've been handing out these um, pins for overdosing these, these th on taxpayer dimes to the partners of addicts and things like that. So if they do overdose, they can get hit with, um, you know, the, the thing that makes people not uh, come back from an overdose. What is it? Narcan. Thank you. Um, Narcan, people that uh, giving Narcan to their partners so that way if they do overdose, it's handled, right? Narcan being administered, putting Narcan kits everywhere. Now, granted, saving people from overdosing, we're not going to say it's not saving lives. By definition, it definitely is. Talking about the needle exchange program, they, and they talked about these things. They said, look, the drug crisis isn't getting better here in this state. In fact, it's getting worse. And, and to their words, they said that, um, are we encouraging drug use and not having people pay consequences for their actions? Now, I think bringing up things like Narcan and stuff and talking about people pay consequences for their actions it comes across a little harsh because what you're almost saying there is that they chose to, well, they did choose to take drugs, but you, you guys follow me. It's a little dark, right? However, I do think it's worth noting, and it came up a little bit in this debate to, to talk and address this drug court situation. So for those of you who don't know, and I'm not saying whether it's wrong or right, it's just a fact in the state. I believe about 116 out of 120 of our counties engage in something called drug court. Basically what it is, is it's a type of diversion program sentencing. The judge acts as a quarterback uh, to make sure you're, you're um, following your treatments. But what it can end up doing is, is take two people who committed the same crime, but because one had drugs on them and the other one didn't, they get two totally different sentences. I'll give you an example. Let's say um, I get caught breaking into somebody's car. So let's say I get caught and I'm busting into somebody's car, I'm stealing stuff out of their car. And so I take those things and I get caught but I don't have drugs on me. So I go before a judge and there's, there's, you know, maybe a trial or what have you. Maybe I plead guilty and I can get jail or, or maybe I get something else, but you know, I probably get sentenced to some time in jail. If however, I get caught breaking into a car and I have drugs on me and I say, well, I'm addicted to drugs and I was stealing because of my addiction. I need to feed my addiction. I can plead guilty to the break in and then apply for what's called drug court, where essentially it's a diversion program where instead of going to jail, like I would if I wasn't on drugs, instead I go into treatment programs, halfway houses, a tight probation. And, and I'm not saying it's not strict, right? It is, but it's still, you're not in jail like you are if you committed the crime and you weren't in drug court. And so the, the judge basically acts as a quarterback about every two weeks or so. It varies. But it would say every two weeks or so you go into court, you meet with the judge, you take a P test, you take a drug test. The judge asks how you're doing, sees where you're going at, and at any point can then put you in jail unless you're following the steps. And it was done in order to help curb down the uh, repeat offenders. Now, they claim it works based upon the stats, but at the same time, I also see the stats saying 
that we have more and more drug users and more and more overdoses. And it, see, and it looks like we have more and more overdose deaths. So is it working or is it not? And and I think that's what Schickle and Hornback, I believe is Hornback, and don't quote me on that, um, were, were stating on the floor was, look, this isn't working. These programs are all meant to save lives. And that result is we're losing more people. We're not saving more people. And we need to take a good hard look. And, and listen, as a as a person who believes justice should be blind, the fact that if me and another person can be caught doing the same nonviolent crime, but crime like breaking into a car or what have you, but if one says it's because they're addicted to drugs and I'm just not addicted to drugs, we get two different sentences. He gets to roam free, what you know, maybe in a halfway house, maybe drug tests, things like that. Meanwhile, I'm in actual jail for the entire time. That's not just that's doesn't seem like justice to me. We both committed the same crime. We should get the same punishment. So it's definitely a discussion worth having. They had that on the floor. I encourage you, if you can, go back and watch that. It was interesting. Uh, debate to hear and is interesting here where everybody lays. You know, and of course, you're you're going to have a little bit difference. You know, you're more um, city type legislators who see how badly the the crime and have seen their crime rates skyrocket. And especially if you've if you've had issues with it yourself, as far as crime goes, as an outcropping from drugs, uh, they're definitely going to take a lot difference than some of the legislators who know people or have siblings or what have you that have issues with drugs. And it's and this is the other thing that's unfortunate. And I was actually texting a representative while I was watching it. And I was like, you know, I hate when I hear legislators talk up and, and they, and they, they're making their decisions and, and I, it's hard to fault them for it, but it's true. They're making decisions from completely personal experience, not from a point of saying, okay, what's the actual data like on this? What is it not? What is it? I mean, to legislate because you one time experience one thing that not the majority of people experience is the wrong way to legislate, in my humble opinion. So that's uh, definitely worth going into. Uh, I'm sorry, that's good, worth going back and watching. On February 5th, once again, we're going to have an HB 28 rally. That's that bill to end mandates. We're going to be doing it up in Frankfurt. That's a Saturday, 1 o'clock. Tell your friends, tell your family members. You can go to freedomfight.us. You go to the calendar there. You can RSVP to it if you'd like to. Please share that out as far as that goes. Redistricting. Uh, last night, the House map was vetoed. We should see the Senate map vetoed today. They will vote on the House map today to pass it, and it'll officially become law for now, tomorrow-ish, and then the Senate map would therefore follow. Um. You know, it's uh, it's interesting to say the least uh, that these these maps come in. The new filing deadline was extended now, and it goes until um, Tuesday next week at four o'clock in Frankfurt local time. That's that's your deadline to go ahead and file. If you're going to file, I encourage everybody out there look at who your representative is. If you don't like him, there's no primary opponent. File yourself. Get up there and do it. It's not hard, but. It's interesting as we talk about that because the maps undoubtedly will be challenged. It's not over until the Kentucky Supreme Court sings. And there's a few interesting bills, one of which is House Bill 323, that are coming up to help deal with this. One is to say, there's a couple of interesting bills. One bill is proposed to say, if you want to argue on the maps in the court, it has to be done in the courts of the candidate who's trying to argue the maps are bad. The other one said that um, anybody who challenges maps, their lawyer fees will not get reimbursed by the state. And then finally, um, 
We had an interesting bill filled, filed yesterday, House Bill 323. It would move the primary, it would move the filing deadline. This is the filing deadline to May 31st. And it would move the primary election to the middle of August, leaving only like two and a half months for you until <laughs> the general election. And so you'd have August, yeah. So until the general election, that's a that's a pretty short amount of election time to say the least. Now, some people are really uh, upset about this. I can understand where they're coming from there. I don't like seeing them playing with the elections at all like they are. However, I think it is interesting and this is why. That is after session is over. And I'm looking at all we could, and, and this is the upside if that bill was to move forward. We could accomplish a lot with a looming threat the entire time of a, a primary opponent. If if a legislator doesn't have a primary opponent and we get two or three constituents to show up and talk to him about a bill and they ignore the constituents, one of those three constituents could file to run against them. They know that. That's a thought in the back of their head. And, and at the end of the day, it's not as they're not all worried about possibly losing a primary, but it's about the fact that if you challenge them, they now have to raise money, which they all hate doing. They got to work. They got to campaign. They got to do all this and they hate doing it and pulling a primary opponent makes them work. So it makes them afraid to do some things that'd be controversial, like raising taxes, things like that. And it also <laughs> may be able to push them to doing things they normally wouldn't do, such as voting on house bill 28. So moving the filing deadline that, late isn't the worst thing in the world um definitely moving the primary that late though shows a lot of issues for sure do i think the bill will move i don't know it might be a bill that's just in place so that way if the courts are dragging their feet on the maps it doesn't end up being an argument in the supreme court that look it's so far past the filing deadline we're so far into this primary to change the rules of the game now is thrown off you know, you can't keep arguing on these maps. We need to just go back to the old maps and let's go. That could be the argument made. And maybe this is to help fight that. I don't know. I, like I said, a lot of people are upset about it. I have mixed feelings about it. Feel free. You can let me know how you feel. You can email me, Andrew at CooperRider4KY.com. Or you can also comment or what have you. I'd be interested to know how you feel about that. It's It's worth debating. Finally, we had a little Senator oopsies there the other day. Now, this is um, I, here, I'll share it with you first. Now, warning, uh, this is a, uh, an explicit, um, comment. Okay. So you will hear, um, let's see here. You will hear some interesting, um, you might hear some interesting language, uh, as we play this, let me see here. Let me see if I can play it for you here. If I can't, I'll just tell you guys about it. So uh, essentially, uh, Senator um, uh, Harper Angel, um, Denise Harper Angel was at home on Zoom attending a committee hearing and her husband uh, is was in the background and she accidentally hit on mute and she can be heard um, telling her husband that she he made her miss roll call uh because of his and she said the full word but because of his effing cussing and while that is an embarrassing moment and i cannot pretend for one second that me and my wife have not had some arguments from time to time that would i'm sure be very embarrassing if they were 
broadcasted for everybody to see. So while I think it's a funny oopsies, um, it is kind of funny. It's just funny. It's, it, it, it happens. And I think this is a good lesson for why these Zoom things are so bad choice, especially for our legislators. Okay. So this, this is the pitch I'm going to make. We need to stop allowing them to attend committee hearings by Zoom. Some of them will hate me for saying that. Or if they're going to attend it by Zoom, they have to be in the Capitol because allowing them to do this where clearly she's at home, she's got clearly as her husband yelling at her, means she is not paying attention to that committee hearing. It means she is she's just saying she's there because of attendance and she doesn't want her voters to get mad at her for not attending something she's supposed to do, but she's clearly not paying attention. And this is how bad legislation gets past people without them even knowing what it does. I mean, you can ask, how did House Bill 126 get so far? Some of the people voted for it just because it was moving through committee and it was just kind of, hey, we just got to move it out of committee. Some people voted yes in committee and they had no idea what the bill actually did because they weren't paying attention to it to begin with. Possibly because they're sitting on Zoom at home arguing with their husband instead of caring about what their constituents would think about a bill that's before a committee. I think that's a really good reason that we need to end the allowance of Zooming from your home into committee hearings because there's too many distractions for you to pay proper attention to what's going on. It used to be you had to you had to be there, I believe. I believe Zoom wasn't allowed uh, until the pandemic, of course, and then they started to allow it. So we'll see what that's about. But I, I listen. They need to be checked into the committee hearing when they're there. I don't know if the Zooming thing is great. I mean, it's clear they got a lot going on in the background that they're not paying attention. That's all I'm saying. One final note here. We've got Movie Tavern. Uh, one in Brandon Crossing there. But Movie Tavern Corporate decides they're going to segregate people out based upon their medical status. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about the mandate. We're talking about the... The, the medical treatment that is on everybody's mind today, that's on everybody's arguments all the time. Well, Movie Tavern decide to create um, movie showings for people who've only received the treatment, further segregating our population. At this point, guys, it's, I, it's hard for me to not see it as malice because it's unscientific. We all see it. We know. Okay? The, the, I mean, literally, all the, all the scientists agree that, yes, Taking the medical treatment doesn't slow the spread, but it gives you better outcomes. That is the current belief, accepted mainstream belief. That is the current mainstream belief amongst all scientists. The minute that you admit that it doesn't stop the spread, this whole idea of needing to separate out people based on their medical statuses and stuff makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. In fact, it doesn't work so badly that we had 100% vaccine. Said the word almost fully. We had 100% taken uptick. I'm on Facebook. I can't say it. They'll kill my distribution. We had almost 100% uptick at some of these companies, airline companies, for an example, that then end up having to cancel thousands of flights because everybody got infected with it. They had to change quarantine rules because of it. <laughs> And so the point is, is the science behind forcing it upon others or needing to segregate out the population left with Omicron. It left with Omicron. Continuing to do this is just sowing division. And I refuse to continue to support companies that will knowingly sow division, which is what they're doing. I know they may believe it's correct, but at the end of the day, we got to start voting with their dollars. So I encourage you to maybe choose a different theater 
until they change their tune. Well, thank you guys very much for joining me once again. And we'll catch you next time that I do one of these. And uh, I hope you can share it out if you're on the podcast. Thanks for listening and tell some friends about it. Have a great day.